Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Barely Bookish podcast. Today, we are continuing on with the Aeneid with Jade from About a Book podcast. You just, you can't get rid of me. Back again. <laughs> As you should be, honestly. I told you, we are um, about a bookish podcast, basically. Basically. <laughs> I think that's our sweet life of Hannah Montana. Crossover. Name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this crossover episode will continue until we run out of great mythology. <laughs> We got near the end. I mean, we've done like the main text. Suddenly Maybe we're going to just... Inferno next. Who knows? Yeah. We'll have to bring out um, uh, Edith Hamilton's mythology book and we're just going to go through the whole thing. It's going to be yeah. great. <laughs> this is going to become a Greek mythology podcast if we continue on with this pretty soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we are on with uh, book five games and conflagration i hope that's how you pronounce that word (laughs) i'm guessing i'm guessing yeah so aeneas can literally see the fire of diado from his ship and he's just like oh that sucks yeah he's like a fire (laughs) weird anyways and i'm like (laughs) dude (laughs) so immediately as soon as they pull out of port like the weather is horrible um they're like neptune has cursed us zeus has cursed us as he should yeah i'm like you literally just like made this woman fall in love with you and then i was like okay bye (laughs) have fun be good like what trash trash like i almost feel like he's more of a trash bag than odysseus so I far. think so. I think so. And they're trying so hard to make him better than Odysseus. Mm-hmm. But Odysseus didn't, you know, obviously he broke uh, Calypso's heart when he has to leave the island after 10 years. Yeah. But uh, nothing as dramatic as this. Yeah. Because, like, literally he had, like, weeks and he made her fall in love with him. And I was like, okay, Well, the, go- the gods kind of did. But, like, yeah. But he's playing an him. active part. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just an F-boy. Like, he's, like, sleeping around and then making people fall in love. And then he's like, okay, that was enough of that. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. no. Don't like him. Not at all. No. So, uh, then, apparently, they land, they get onto another shore. But, like, they weren't very clear about this. But suddenly... Yeah, they do. Yeah, like, I was not sure what happened. Like... There's just like a passage of time that seemed to have changed. And then they're like, all right, we're doing some games. Yeah. So they arrived to this new island and they're like, welcome there. And then it's been, it's been a year since um, Aeneas's father has died. So they kind of do these like anniversary funeral games, which reminded me of Ireland because in Ireland, our funerals last for three days and mm. they, they would have games and well, not nowadays, but you know, back in the 19th century, they'd have like games and like matchmaking and special food. And mm-hmm. it'd be like a huge party, loads of drinking. And it kind of reminded me of this. <laughs> that honestly, I like that idea better than like the traditional memorial service. Like I like celebration of lives better than like we all go to the funeral home and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it sounds fake, but like back then in like the 18th century, Everyone drank putching and putching is kind of like Irish moonshine. It was a very strong mm. alcohol that could make you go blind and deaf. And so when people drank this, they might be knocked out for a few days. So they'd have a three day funeral to kind of like give the corpse a chance to wake up if they weren't really dead. And they also believe that like 
people could be like knocked out or put asleep by different fairy creatures as well so the three-day funeral was a chance for them to wake up basically that's yeah. why it's called a, it's called awake for that reason that's funny yeah. I mean it's like <laughs> it's wild but it's like think about the how they used to tie bells to people's wrist just in yeah case. creepy that's horrifying um, could you imagine waking up oh no no Mm-mm. Mm-mm. no no that's why cremation you know because at least like your brain alive and that's it it's better than just like the panic of waking up in a coffin you know yeah. Oh no. Anyway, grim stuff. Um <laughs> the, these funeral no. games, it's just it's mostly um horseback riding and mm-hmm. races. Um good thing Odysseus isn't here because he was known to be, you know, the fastest runner of with course. his little short legs. Um yeah, don't know, how, don't know how uh, I don't know how Aeneas compared to him, but it didn't seem like he participated at all. Yeah, maybe that was kind of like me and PE, you know what I mean? You kind of just cheer on from the sidelines and watch other people get all sweaty. Yeah, same. <laughs> and when they're like, you need to run the mile, I'd be like, I'm going to walk this mile. Because I had PE first period. So it's like... You're sweaty for the whole day. Yeah, they don't let you shower. They don't let you do anything. So you just like have... You just stink all day. Like, that's terrible, honestly. Like, who decided that was a good idea? Did people in America ever have to do the bleep test? I don't know if it's just a UK and Ireland thing. No. I didn't It'd be a machine. Basically, it, you'd be in the hall and you'd have to run from one side of the hall to the other. Mm-hmm. And you had to get to the, the other side before the machine bleeped, like beeped. And every round, it would get quicker and quicker. Oh, my goodness. And it was to test like your stamina. And it used to be horrible. And it used to be so embarrassing as well. And if you didn't reach it, you were like knocked out of the game Mm -mm. Mm -mm. yeah it was horrible (laughs) i no nothing it's like traumatizing (laughs) no i literally rpe was a joke they would be like okay do your mile okay good job (laughs) and i was like cool and then they'd be like they'd walk the the pe teacher always had like a um a uh golf cart and they'd like mm-hmm. fall behind you. And they'd be like, all right, go faster. You got to run. And I'm like, no, simply I will not. In a golf court, a golf, uh, golf cart. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a running joke that every PE teacher has. Ha, a running cart. joke. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Like in America, every PE teacher seems to have a golf cart. Don't know why. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's just a thing they have, and then who knows? Um, well, I feel I feel like in this scene, Aeneas is like the PE teacher with the golf cart when he's watching everybody else play these games. Truly, truly love that segue. Yeah, but the, the whole point of these games too was to show like how respectful and pious he was. Like you know, he's doing the right thing. He's doing these funeral honorary things and it's also kind of reinforcing that like father and son theme which mm-hmm. is like very common it was like very common in, in the odyssey as well yeah um so it's kind of trying to mirror the odyssey in that way as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um for some reason it, this last nine days and then after the nine days the sky's clear uh they also like ruined a couple of ships a little bit in their ship racing Mm-hmm. like 
that seemed like a bad idea to me but you know counterintuitive yeah um so then they had neptune pick the winner by basically sinking the other ships (laughs) um and then one of the ships ends up hitting a reef uh and then they like just trash all these boats they lose all the oars um and then like they go through the list of all the prizes everyone gets and i truly was just like this is too much like every single <laughs> it was a participation trophy trophy every single person got a prize <laughs> like it seems like aeneas keeps like his entire wealth on his own ship to then give out to people throughout his like trip yeah pretty much like he has so much random stuff like how would why would you keep all this stuff glory glory and fame basically apparently but i i was reading actually about the history of like participation prizes mm-hmm. um and apparently i don't i can't remember now when, what decade it was i think it was around the 60s 70s 80s around sometime around then mm-hmm. they basically the thought of society was that if they made everybody feel special and talented mm-hmm. then people would work harder and achieve higher Mm-hmm. So they began to give out participation prizes and kind of like, you know, bonuses to everybody, make everybody feel like they're really smart and really talented. And they thought that would like make people be more successful, but it didn't mm-hmm. work. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, I know people get mad for participation trophies, but like if they're kids, who cares? Like yeah. I see a lot of the like sport parents are like, oh, you know, my four-year-old got a participation. Like, yeah, they're four. They're not going to the Ivy Leagues. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, like, if I was doing a race and I trained really hard for the race, like, I wouldn't mind getting, like, a little medal or something, you know, just, Mm -hmm. like, as a personal achievement that I participated in that. I wouldn't see it as, like, stupid. Yeah. When I did one of those, like, Disney 5Ks a long time ago, I got, like, a 5K medal. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, I know people are, like, participating. And I'm, like, I walked it. (laughs) <laughs> I walked it. I d- may have not come in first, you know, but I completed it. So yeah. therefore I won because it's the memento of that day, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a fan, but like maybe not in like business settings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we can probably stop that when we're adults. Yeah. But that's basically what this was like because everybody won a prize. <laughs> yeah. So then Iris pops by for a minute, watches all the festivities, um, and then she's like, hey, ladies, what if we just set fire to all the ships? Hmm? I love Iris. <laughs> she She's uh, Juno's messenger god, so she's kind of like the, the Hermes in this uh, book, mm-hmm. and she's also like very associated with the rainbow, mm-hmm. and she was the one that um, brought dido's like spirit what, what did she do again she took dido's spirit out of her body or something like that yeah 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 i like her i i liked her in percy jackson too like i think she was always good in percy jackson to be honest but like i like that she had phone basically she was a phone call um i'm reading the third percy jackson book at the moment i just started mm-hmm. it yesterday but i was actually making a reel about like i recorded it today um, but I haven't put up yet, but it's about how bad the Percy Jackson movie was compared to the books. Oh my god. Yes, Percy Jackson movies are trash. Everybody universally agrees that they are absolute trash. 
Yeah. I can't wait for the TV show to come out, though. That's going to be great. And yeah. uh, Rick Riordan, is that his name? Riordan? Riordan? I don't know. Riordan? It, it's, I think it's Riordan. Riordan? Yeah, Rick Riordan. I don't know. But, yeah. but he has actually done a master's in Irish folklore from University College Cork. And he's coming out and he's done like a, a thesis. He spent two months uh, sorry two weeks in the Gale talked which is like an area of Ireland that only speaks Irish mm-hmm. and he's planning a whole series on Irish folklore and mythology which I'm like Celtic stuff which I'm really excited for when that comes out we're going to be talking about that I can tell definitely you right now <laughs> it might be for Patreon or something I have no idea but it's gonna be there because definitely. oh dude Celtic I, mythology is my jam <laughs> yes I love I first I love his work um also this is a brief moment to say if you want to listen to these stories in depth listen to the newest olympian podcast it is my favorite um it's by the same guy who did the potterless podcast so check that out because it is delightful um but yeah i really like those i didn't read them though until i was like in college yeah i'm only reading them there yeah i think i read them two three years ago and they're very good so yeah um but yeah so apparently the ladies immediately know that iris is a goddess and it's not the person she's pretending because she's like she's literally laid in bed sick i just saw her like 30 seconds ago so the gods and their bad disguises literally strike again (laughs) my favorite like thing and then like the funniest thing to me though is that like the women are like, actually, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea. And then just go and do it anyways. As they should. As they should. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> listen, they've been stuck on this boat forever. You know? Like, it's been years at this point. They just want to settle somewhere. And they're like, this place is good enough. And yeah. and then they're like, let's just not go to Rome. Like, what if we just hang out here? <laughs> Like, because you got to think about it. Most of them are probably trying to start families. Like, could you imagine raising a child on a boat? That sounds horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I. Mm-mm. No, thank you. That sounds terrible. Well, are these women that are on Aeneas's boat? Yes. So he had girls on his boat too. Okay. I thought he only had guess, dudes on his boat. Well, it sounds like he has like families. Like he took as many people from Troy as he could. Well, if, yeah, if you're trying to start a new city yeah you can't just be like all right men yeah repopulate this city on your own (laughs) it's like all right we'll find wives somewhere along this journey (laughs) because it's like he tried to bring his own wife but his wife died and then i guess his son died too which i didn't realize i i didn't i thought listen i thought his the grandpappy and the son made it out of there but then like in the next chapter they're like no and i was like oh disclaimer for the readers we're not brain dead it's like this book is very easy to mix bits and pieces yeah because of the way it's written it's a it's a tough text and that's why we're making a podcast about it because mm-hmm. we're trying to make sense of it yes like we'll probably miss stuff and i have to say as well this is my second time reading it mm-hmm. so and i'm still confused you know yeah i want emily wilson to go through and get this one done because i need someone <laughs> It's a little bit easier to read, to be honest. I want this told to me like I am a first grader and this is rating time. You know, that's basically what it was like in school. Like the bits I know about this book is because I remember it from school, not because, you know, I picked it up while reading because, yeah, you know, 
That's yeah. fair. Cause it's, <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. It's definitely yeah. a struggle. So, um, some guy then advises Aeneas to like leave some people here so that they can build a settlement and then they can the rest can go on to Rome. And I thought he was going to do this, but it sounds like he's like, nah, dog, we're all going to Rome. <laughs> like, that seems like a great idea. I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> like... It makes everyone happy. Like, again, this, as you mentioned, this is basically just like text that uh, it's, it's just supposed to like hype this guy up, you know? Yeah. Pure but, propaganda. Yeah. It's like he isn't logical. He's not a good leader. Like, he's like Odysseus at least seemed to like lead his people. This guy seems to just be like led. The gods just tell him to jump and he asks them how high. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if this guy, like, Odysseus needed to be held, like, his hand to be held a lot. But this guy, the gods are constantly holding his hand. And they're like, okay, Aeneas, let's, you know, go over here. And he's like, okay. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the point where he couldn't even pick the winner himself. He's like, Neptune, how about you pick the winner? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> to be that, that's like we were saying in the last episode we're like if the gods could actually reply and help us we'd be incapable of making any of our own decisions because mm-hmm. we just want them to make all our decisions and i feel like that's what happens what's happened to Aeneas now yeah literally he's just like incapable like odysseus got left behind by the gods for a little bit and he like made his own way you know mm-hmm. figured some stuff out i think if Aeneas was left alone to his own devices he would just kind of like fall over and be like help <laughs> <laughs> like i don't think he's capable like i don't know maybe i'll grow to like him later but right now i'm just like mm, no doesn't get better <laughs> oh no <laughs> so um they set sail again because of course they do like Sicily would have been fine. I don't. I don't know why they have to go to Rome. I really don't. And then, like the other thing that bothers me is throughout this entire novel, they're calling the Romans that live there right now savages, mm-hmm. and it reminds me a lot of what the tech like people when they describe the indigenous people of America, yeah, and other continents. Like they're like, oh, they need to be conquered, and I'm like, do they when they have their own land and mm-hmm. ways and everything like. Like, this to me is very, like, colonist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's basically about them colonizing Rome. So, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a pro-colonization text. So, I hate yeah. it. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. But you have to remember, like, it's not their bad. Because back then, like, conquering somewhere was, like, all the glory and the pra- yeah. praiseworthy of the gods. So, I still you know, they don't really have the same scope that we have now. But, you see, that's, like, something that I'm a bit, like iffy about like when people do like retellings of myths Mm -hmm. and they try to make them like very feminist or very kind of like Mm -hmm. the story but with today's like morals and stuff I'm like that's kind of like twisting the story a bit too much I mean like things were that Mm -hmm. way back then for for reasons you know Mm -hmm. like yeah like have you read Ariadne not yet I haven't read it yet but apparently it's like very like 
feminist in like a way that kind of like changes this like the story and like mm. it kind of like takes the it takes the essence of the story if you get me mm-hmm. when you try to change too much like imagine if someone tried to tell the story but made it like not pro-colonialism it would just take away the whole like thing of the story you know what i mean yeah because there's like then they're just like oh we happened into rome la 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 you know like yeah like seriously is really good because they're mm-hmm. making serious you know madeline miller made serious like a powerful female character so like yeah that, that was a good way to kind of incorporate the feminism into it mm-hmm. but i feel like when you try to like oh giving the women of troy a voice like that's all great but then mm-hmm. when, when it actually like changes like when when it you know in the story mm-hmm. like it just yeah it just it's me i that's like, why Oh, sorry. Like, like in Song of Achilles, when Achilles is like the only dude who didn't like, you know, rape and kill the women. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like that's unlikely. If he was actually that great of a soldier, he'd be like the ringleader of all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I feel like I like reimaginings more than retellings because that's like I already know the original, but like yeah. ch- if you want to change something, like make it very cool, but like change it for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have a lot of. Like I'm, re- I just read *Pride and Premeditation*, the retelling, mm-hmm. which is they take some parts of *Pride and Prejudice* but make a whole new story. Like yeah. some things are hit, but not the whole thing. And it's like I like that type of stuff. Whereas, like, I don't want to know exactly what's gonna happen to these characters. Yeah. you know. And like sometimes people are like reviewing books or discussing books, and they're giving it about how like, you know, they might have something that we don't really agree with today right mm-hmm. like whether it be like hey they talk about certain groups or whatever and it's like you have to think of like back then like the author and the world they lived in was so different than now you know what I mean yeah that like they can't really that can't really be put against them if you get me yeah but I'm yeah. all for roasting the authors though oh definitely definitely love that yeah. <laughs> love that the amount of like author roasting that's going to come into this because Virgil just seems like an absolute trash bag yeah yeah we're gonna get I a feel lot like I feel like Virgil was literally like writing this book like right on the deadline. That's because it seems like very rushed or something, doesn't mm-hmm. it? But then it's, also not rushed because there's just like big blocks of text that could have been taken out. But like yeah. the amount of like detail and like the amount of like like just sense that the Odyssey made compared to this, where it just doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. And it's just like well, it's yeah. like he name drops um what's his name? Oh. He name drops. What's his? It starts with an H. The guy that was like really big in Troy. Hephaestus. No. Hector. They name Hector, Hector oh, all the yeah. time. Like he's I can't like who Hephaestus is. <laughs> they're like, oh, you know him. He was like the driver for Hector and him. He also fought alongside Hector. I'm like, yeah, buddy, you were in the Trojan War. Everyone fought alongside <laughs> Hector. What? <laughs> like, and it's like Virgil just is like, I feel like he's trying way too hard. And like you said, he gives detail to a lot of things that just don't matter. You yeah. know, like with him trying to like hype up um, Aeneas. He's like really just sacrificing the entire plot of this book. Like this book is like, oh, cool. So they all have money because Aeneas has a whole lot of money. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but as 
anyways, they set sail again. Um, someone named Salmanus comes down from Olympus, throws the helmsman off the boat, <laughs> and then and then just has them like setting up course to hit the sirens. And then that's completely thrown out. Like he leaves this cool cliffhanger. You're like, oh my gosh, you're gonna go defeat some sirens. And then the next book, they're like, I'm ah, just kidding. I know. Forget that plot. Like every it, time you think this book is getting interesting, it yeah. just diverts. I know. And it's like everything, it's like he's basically building up all these characters, which is not something I care about. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you want to know about like the cool places they visit. Like that's the entire reason you read a story like this. Like I got to in the Odyssey, I learned about, you know uh the cyclops i learned about like the lotus eaters everything like circe was really cool calypso's island all that cool stuff but this one's like really like divulging into everybody that's on this ship and the second we're like oh we're gonna hear about some sirens right and they're like no you aren't yeah but they're there and you're like cool (laughs) Like, I kind of want to go and do a step-by-step view of the Odyssey versus this, because it's like, I feel like the Odyssey, he's hitting it in the same order. Like, Virgil is very much like, oh, so first you go see Scylla, and then you go to Calypso's Island. So we're going to go see Scylla, and then we're going to go to Diodo's Island. Like, what I want to know is, right, so after the Trojan War... Mm-hmm. Odysseus went was trying to go to Ithaca and he was trying to go to Rome like if I'm surprised they didn't overlap at any point you know what I mean right they're hitting all the same islands and stuff and it's around the same time period I, I presume since it's after the war yeah I suppose like he was stuck on like Calypso's island for like 10 years mm-hmm. well like how many years six years something I can't remember um so maybe that's the reason why but he could have had Odysseus in here for a little cameo you never know yeah <laughs> That would right? be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So weird. Cause it's or like, like, or you know, or he lands somewhere and they're like, oh, Odysseus was just here. Like, you're so much better than him. He was terrible. Like, he could have put something funny in like that, but he didn't. I know. Virgil is really out here missing every opportunity constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, the way in the last episode we were saying how Virgil actually wanted this to be burned on his deathbed because he wasn't happy with it. I wish yeah. they had listened to his wishes, to be honest. I know. It's not good. Like, as I said, the only reason this text has survived for so long is because, you know, Christian leaders thought that this was backing up the birth of Christ. So if it wasn't for that, maybe this would have been lost time because there's so much like better Greek texts out there and like mm-hmm. Roman texts out there than this. But I just want to read like... Like, I want to know something that was lost to time, but was still better than this. And then I'm going to be like, why? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they throw the helmsman off, see the sirens, and then we're on to the next chapter. So then we are on to book six, The World Below. Obviously, this is a good, this is a good book, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think this was the most interesting, but still it was bogged down with, like, random prophecies you know what i mean well this this is the big hitter you see so i suppose we'll 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 talk about the chapter and talk about when it comes to it but this is the most propaganda heavy chapter and this is the chapter that relates the closest to the odyssey i would say yeah for sure 
So they end up on land again. They didn't really immediately say that it's the end of the world, but they like go to Apollo's temple. And then like they have this lady, um, I think they said Diana. I think. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, but apparently Apollo's there. This prophet Diana's there. Oh, um, uh, Sybil. Sybil, sorry. Sybil, yeah. Sybil. Yeah, she's a, a priestess of okay. Apollo and she can also tell the future. So he's talking to Sybil. He'll say, oh, Sybil, if you help us get to the underworld, we'll build your new nice new temple. And she's like, oh, okay. Like buttering me up. Sounds like a good deal. Okay, Aeneas, the way you can get to the underworld is if you get the golden bow from the forest. So off you go. And then luckily, because Aeneas is a demigod, his mother is Venus. So Venus, she sends two doves, which are like her companions, and they lead him to this golden branch that's on the tree. Pretty handy. And easily enough, you know, he just snaps off the branch. And that's kind of the end of it. I thought there'd be something more exciting. Like he had to like Literally. forge this special kind of like sword or axe or, you know, he had to be proved he was mighty enough to grab it. But no, you know, there's just this gold branch. He just plucks it like any other branch and he brings it into this cave. And that's what leads him into the underworld. And to be honest, for my leaving cert, so for the Irish version of the, uh, what do you call them? SATs? Yeah, SATs, ACTs. Yeah. For the exam, we had to compare the Odyssey to the Aeneid. And as you can guess, there's, there's no comparison. The Odyssey is just so much better. Mm-hmm. Like to get to the underworld, Odysseus was way more badass. He had to like slit the throat of like a, a what was it? A black goat, wasn't it? A goat mm-hmm. or something like that. And then the blood had to drain into this big trench. And then all the spirits came out and they're drinking up the blood. This, he just, it's like almost like a torch. He just like lets this gold branch guide him into this cave. Well, it's like, you think just Hades lets anybody wander through? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, like, maybe the whole reason people don't go is because they don't know, like, they need the golden branch to get there. But I thought, I wish there was more of an an obstacle or something. Mm -hmm. This is what we mean. He's kind of missing out on opportunities to be interesting here, you know? Yeah, it's like, it feels like his cover fee to go into his house is like a dollar. He's like, okay, pay the dollar. You can come in, go out. You know, this is really your world. So, yeah, Whatever. and if it's and if it's trying to be like the Odyssey, would it not make like sense, like continuity wise, that the way into the underworld was to do the thing Odysseus did, right? Or maybe every person has to do a different task to get in. I'm not too sure. I feel like Aeneas is literally playing on easy mode. You know, he definitely is. He definitely is, and like. You know, Virgil's trying to prove that he's the most mighty. Like, oh, Odysseus can go to the underworld. Yeah, Aeneas can do, can too. Oh, Odysseus had to like, you know, cut the throat of a goat and build this big trench. Oh yeah, Aeneas could just walk right in. It's just like, mm-hmm. you're yeah, not cool. You're not cool. It's like the reason I don't like Superman. Like when you make yeah, everything gets it too easy. Yeah, I don't like it. It's boring. And yeah. this book very much feels like a first draft. You know what I mean? I mean... I don't know the, you know, how the book was obtained, but it very much could be like a draft, mm. like, you know, yeah. uh, it might not necessarily be in the finished product that we have now, you know. Do you imagine paying your homie all this money and then like he makes your book terrible? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> I'd be so mad. <laughs> I know. I, I, I haven't looked into it, but I definitely will for our next episode. But it's like, I wonder how this book was received. 
you know, or yeah. people buying into it. Yeah. I wonder if it like changed anything about how they feel about Rome, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Imagine like the Pope got like Rick Riordan to write like a book about how Jesus wanted him to be the Pope. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's a bit like, <laughs> it's literally. A bit weird. Like, <laughs> everyone would be like, cool. No. <laughs> It's like when people like have autobiographies and then they like pay ghostwriters. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, hmm, okay. Defeats the purpose. Like, why would you just not have a biography? Yeah. Yeah, right. They're like, I totally wrote this. You're like, did you? Yeah. Did you truly? And it's like no shame to the game of ghostwriters. I have no problem with you like getting your cash. I just think it's funny when they're like, oh, I wrote this myself. Yeah no you didn't you definitely did not do that uh so then you know they're trying to like find a boar oh so basically they go into hades and the underworld and they like meet a whole bunch of people he sees diado he sees like the the thing is though it's like it's only people we've met on this trip you know Mm-hmm. like whereas conveniently with, yeah, yeah with whereas Odysseus. like in the odyssey it was kind of like oh this is your old buddy from the war mm-hmm. you know and yeah like it seems like Aeneas's life started when this story started and that's something i've never liked in books that's that's it that's what makes him like so less believable as a character yeah because you don't know his background or anything you know yeah like at least you know with odysseus he was kind of alluding to his life back in, back in Ithaca and his mm-hmm. wife Penelope and his son and you know things like that. Whereas this is just totally focused on Rome, totally focused on the future. It's like, want to know more about you? What was it like having Venus as a mom? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't mourn his family that he lost at all. You know what I mean? Like he's lost his wife, his well, son, kind of, well, and his father. Well, you could argue that the funeral games were like him mourning and showing respect, but his wife, he paid her dust, honestly. Yeah. But he like doesn't cry, you know? Odysseus cries multiple times. Yeah, that's very true. And it's like, Aeneas is apparently too hard to cry, but it's like your whole family is gone and you are alone, my guy. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so then they're like, hey, you're gonna have to sacrifice a boar for that random guy that died on the shore um and he's like okay so i guess like someone just died getting off the ship somehow mm. um so then uh he said he was like talking to that guy that his helmsman that died and he was like hey they told me that no one would die in this journey he's like well i didn't die at sea i swam to it uh to rome and then died there so <laughs> and i'm like so he swam for three days straight <laughs> and died in rome but this boat can't seem to make it to rome <laughs> okay cool <laughs> And this is, like, again, where they make the savage comments. And I'm like, mm, I don't like this. Yeah. So, um, and then he says he wasn't thrown overboard by a god. But, like, 
earlier it said he 100% was thrown overboard by God. So I'm not really sure what that meant. Mm. Maybe there's some grand, you know, prophecy or social context we're missing from it. Maybe. I don't know. So they give this giant tour of the underworld and they're like, so that's where we keep the children that die too young. That's where we keep the mothers. It's like, okay, like what? Like, and who also like, why? This is like really sad. So, but it's like, why is he getting this whole tour? Like he doesn't matter for the essay for my exams you have to like compare the geography of the underworld and the odyssey compared to the Aeneid, and it's very interesting because they both have kind of like pros and cons mm-hmm. to how it's like described i do think it's interesting the fact that like this is more of like clean cut areas for people yeah you know what i mean where it's like it seems like the underworld and the odyssey is everyone can kind of just go into whatever groups they yeah. want to yeah so i prefer like the geography in this book and like you have to remember too like people reading this they're like imagine someone wrote a book that was like actually what heaven is supposed to be like because people you know the idea was like you're trying to make people believe this is real mm-hmm. so imagine like people are like oh my gosh like that's where i'm gonna go and i die you know what i mean like, yeah. it was so interesting to them probably yeah the thing though that i don't like about this is with clean cut lines like that means that parents who lost the kid can't seem to go over to the kids section you know it's like this is a room only for that this is a room for only for this and it's like if there's no allowing of crossfit you know like i am a firm believer in a fluid afterlife like you can like pop in and you're gonna be like hey do you want to do a potluck on like friday and you know like (laughs) because if your friend is in the christian afterlife and you're in like i like in a greek afterlife or something like i would like there to be a little bit of travel going on (laughs) because it's like one what if your afterlife is cooler than mine i'm going to ask (laughs) for a reassignment two (laughs) like i just like the idea like i don't want to have the same problem i have now where i can't hang out with my friends because they live too far away it's kind of like you know we're all like the afterlife is kind of like we're all in a college and each college building is different you Mm -hmm. know and like the arts building is like shitty and run down but then the science building is like amazing and fantastic and dazzling you know Mm -hmm. then like the sports building has like the best cafe and it's like you just kind of float in between each one you know i mean yeah (laughs) so that's what i like (laughs) see like there's that um person on tiktok that's uh it's like a receptionist for the underworld like does this whole skit thing (laughs) i like that underworld best that is my favorite (laughs) idea because i i like the idea that like no one's wrong in their belief system yeah could you imagine you spend your entire life you know having a firm belief system and like you get to your afterlife and they're like oh actually this is the god it's um his name is toto (laughs) Uh, he's the god of oh you never heard of him too bad yeah. because you yeah, believe him, you're going to hell yeah like could you imagine you just like spending your whole life thinking you know exactly what's up and then like you end up and you're like oh we were all supposed to be following norse paganism i <laughs> oh i didn't read up on that and they're gonna be like oh, it's i don't know what to tell you <laughs> like i don't no 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 uh so i just this that's my little head canon. i guess we'll find out when this podcast becomes the afterlife podcast oh god yeah. 
I turned like, oh, I guess we'll find it. And I was like, no, I'll be for a long time. <laughs> no, I have a running joke that in the afterlife, if I can figure out how to podcast, I'm just going to interview the authors. Like, nice. I'll be like, ah. Yeah. So if that can happen and I can do that, I don't know how that works. I mean, obviously. people in the afterlife need entertainment, you know, exactly. and I'm sure, you know, people are, people are saying like, oh, you know, are, you know, pe- the dead, like, you know, they look on us from heaven and stuff. I'm like, they got better things to do than mm-hmm. watch you like, you know, scroll on your phone for three hours a day. <laughs> I'm sure they pop in and they're like, oh, how are my relatives yeah. doing? You know, I'm sure they've got their own things to do as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I, I'd be like reading a whole lot of books. Because how depressing would it be if, like, you in the afterlife for the rest of eternity, all you have to do is, like, watch people living? Like, that'd be so sad, wouldn't it? Yeah. I had a dream I was dead the other night, and I was, like, following people around. And I was like, damn, like, I'm missing out on this. And I mean, they're talking about me, and I was like, wasn't able to talk back to them. And I was like, damn. That's terrible. I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess we'll find out when we're, like, 105 years old and hopefully very good lives (laughs) i saw that uh was it jeffrey bezos to try and extend human life to like 150 i'm like i don't know if i want to be here this long like that sounds terrible my bones are going to be like snapping as i stand up like no thank you (laughs) anyways so after that very uh grim (laughs) little tour let's get back to what we were saying about the afterlife the underworld I mean, how could you not? You know, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, let's just talk about this and not relate it to our lives at all, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, it's a barely bookish podcast because, as we said, we barely talk about the books, you know? Exactly. <laughs> now you understand the tagline. <laughs> um, so, a, so, basically, he then also runs into Diodo in the underworld and she's Awkward. like still mad. And he starts Obviously. crying. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like he broke her heart. And then she yeah, kills she, herself. Yeah. And she kind of gives him like cold shoulder. You know what I mean? Like, As she you? should. But she's hanging she out with should. her first husband. And that was. That's fun. nice. That's nice. Because yeah. you could tell that she certainly loved him. You know. Mm-hmm. Good. Good for her. He also doesn't see his wife. Like his first wife. Is that weird? Yeah. You see, like maybe, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, try to understand. Maybe mm-hmm. you see, Odysseus, mm-hmm. he says that he married for love, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he really loved Penelope, and that's why he married her. It wasn't a marriage of convenience. Mm-hmm. But maybe Aeneas's marriage was a marriage of convenience. Maybe that was kind of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're meeting this girl, you're going to marry her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like Odysseus he was actually like in love with his wife maybe Aeneas mm-hmm. didn't really care about it I feel like he didn't care about his wife like you know yeah because like it would have been like six months later or something that he was trying to marry Diodo yeah and like he had his he had his uh father on his back when he was trying to escape uh, a couple books back and then his wife was just like trailing behind them you know what I mean like, he could have like held her hand or mm-hmm. something yeah you know kind of dragged her along too but like if he's that great of a, a warrior and he's that great of a guy, he could have found a way to save him. But mm-hmm. I, so I feel like he just didn't care about it that much. Yeah, like I would have had my family, both my hands, you know, everybody be holding hands as we're running away. Like, yeah, I want to I want to see like a character analysis of Aeneas because I feel like he really just isn't that developed. Yeah, me compared too. To Odysseus. Someone send that to me on Instagram or Twitter, whatever. <laughs> I want to see it. 
send it to both of us that'd be great yeah <laughs> i want the scholarly article about why Aeneas is a trash bag <laughs> so um then he like runs into his dad his dad like gives him the entire outline of like what rome's gonna be like yeah this here is the uh this here's the propaganda mm-hmm. he's basically giving a description of how mighty rome is going to be starting with like romulus and all this and this big line of all the rulers and then it's going to end with augustus caesar mm-hmm. the uh, the guy that's in perinea the guy that's commissioned this book mm-hmm. so this is basically just to show mm-hmm. that like it's a very long long-winded way with saying that like it's always been destined that augustus caesar would take over and rule because obviously ah. remember i said in the first uh recording people were not very happy with augustus caesar at all mm. so this is kind of trying to win them over i thought aeneas paid for this book i didn't realize augustus caesar paid for this book so aeneas is like his great 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 grandfather something like that wait what do you mean aeneas paid for the book i thought aeneas paid virgil for this book aeneas I- isn't real what <laughs> augustus caesar who yeah. was in power in rome at the time he was a very unpopular ruler uh-huh. and so to convert his people he commissioned virgil to write this book about how he sh- he was the rightful owner because when augustus caesar came to power mm-hmm. he um kicked out the people before kind of like uh anti-democracy as far as i can remember um mm-hmm and maybe not into democracy but he basically like changed the whole political uh political system and people were very unhappy about it and it was a time of horrible political unrest in rome and so in a panic he commissioned this book off virgil his uh author friend mm-hmm. and he told him to write a book about how he was the rightful ruler of rome and to try and make him seem good okay so basically and aeneas aeneas was i think he was mentioned in the Iliad so he was a character mm. uh, but he wasn't a historical figure per se. so he basically is supposed to like symbolize Caesar then um you see he's supposed to be Caesar's like distant relative uh, okay okay I, this whole time I thought Aeneas was the one who was like the real guy commissioned this book and I was like how do you know all this stuff in this moment? I was like, how do you know all this stuff? I was going wow, <laughs> weird. That's funny. Okay. All right. Never mind. Still a nice trash bag. Augustus, yeah. This makes this kind of funnier then. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, they told us, they predicted all of this. The gods were like, yeah, this is totally going to happen. And then it happened yeah. weird. Yeah. That's funny. Um. So... Odysseus was a real guy, right? Dude. The Trojan War, like the horse and stuff, that wasn't real. Like the Trojan War was a real event, but the whole horse and stuff wasn't real. I thought all these like big name people were actual people. Not as far Mm. as I know. Weird. Maybe you can find something for like Achilles, but I I don't think he is real either. All right. I mean, that makes like, sense. I guess. Like, like I'm not sure what what the story is for Greek mythology, but some 
for the kings and queens and some of the warriors in Irish mythology, like it could be based upon somebody that was real. Like we can link it to certain mm. people, but they themselves, like their names and stuff, like they weren't a real person. Oh. So I imagine it's similar to to in Greek mythology. I'm gonna I'll Google it really quick. I'll see was no, it because I'm pretty sure, like I'm nine times certain Odysseus wasn't a real person, but Not maybe perfect. there's an argument for Achilles. Yeah, basically what I just said. It just said he could be based upon a mixture of warriors from that time period. Okay. Yeah. I just found Virgil's uh, autobiography. Yeah, I saw that the other day, actually, when I was in the bookshop. I was going to get it, but I was like, do I really want to learn more about this? I'm on Cliff Notes. (laughs) It's a Cliff (laughs) Notes biography. He does have a biography, though. Oh, that's funny. So it's it's kind of weird. Let's see. Yeah, so he's like a political writer normally. Yeah. Maybe that that makes sense as to why the storyline is kind of bad because he was used to writing political stuff. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, anyways. So, yeah, his dad gives the whole outline about how Caesar is the one true leader. And then um, he, like, just kind of leaves the underworld. They're like, okay, thank you for telling that whole story. <laughs> and then, like, he leaves the underworld. And I was like, cool. Okay. Um, and that was the end of that reading. Yeah. <laughs> Not, like, a good ending, really. Like, they're just like, all right, moving on. And you're like, Okay. Mm. But they were two eventful books, you know? Yeah. We had the funeral games in the first mm-hmm. one, and we had going to the underworld in this one. Yeah. What was this, books five and six, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, lots of spoilers for the coming books, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all we have today. Jade, where can the people of the internet find you? You can find me on aboutabook.podcast on Instagram and you can find my podcast a bookish podcast about the history and story behind some famous books by looking up about a book on Spotify iTunes wherever and about a book is one word so put it all in as one word and you should it should pop up excellent but we will catch you all in the next episode where they're Maybe they'll see sirens. I don't know. They just left the spot hole for us. So we'll find out. But we'll catch you all later. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Barely Bookish podcast. If you want to find me, I am at Barely Bookish on everything. Um, I'm also on Twitch, and you can get some exclusive episodes and bonus content over on Patreon. You can join for as low as $1 a month. It's all donation-based, so you can really just join for whatever you'd like and get some cool content. Um, Or you can, if you want to see my face, hang out with me on Twitch. I do a lot of writing sprints. Um because I do a lot of freelance work. So I'm over there a whole bunch and you, that's the best way to see my face. If you want, to, I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week with more of the Aeneid. Our logo is designed by my little sibling, Sarah. Our theme song was by Raphael Crux, and I'll catch you all in the next one. Bye!